So those are the housekeeping things. Um, it's if you're not used to the building, we will you'll still have to come around for another couple of weeks um, until we're ready to, to open up the other sections. Um, but you know that should be the worst, as they say. This room at least is open, and everybody can get to it. Okay, and those are the housekeeping things that, that I know of. At least, any questions from anybody? Okay, so let's begin with what we're dealing with. Um, to recall for some of you, um, we're dealing with the issue of Birkat Amazon, and in particular the concept of Zimun, and that is inviting others to Birkat Amazon, as such. And we've had both, so far, the language, we've had the numbers, Morning. We're going to deal today a little bit more with who's included, um, to a point where I'm going to do a tangent for a while because I think it's an interesting tangent um, as well. So what we're dealing with again, if I were to go back to the Mishnah, which is really right at the beginning, um, and you don't have to look there, I'm just going to read it. If three people eat together, and we dealt with what together means, recall? Some of you, that what happens if there are other tables, what happens if they're not listening, what happens if they came in late, what happens if they leave early, all of those things that the Gemara begins to discuss having to do with what does it mean, three people have eaten together, and what does it mean, okay, meaning who leads Birkat Amazon? You're called the Gadol leads Birkat Amazon. And that led to the whole issue of Remember else? Nitilat Yadayim. Who goes first for Nitilat Yadayim? The last time I went to Israel, I took that section and gave it to my son-in-law. As I told you, everybody fights there who goes first uh, for Nitilat Yadayim, who goes last, who, does, who can talk, who can't talk. It's always a lot of fun with the grandchildren with that one. So we dealt with that, if you recall, as, as a little bit of a tangent. Um, the next part was Achal Demai. Demai is Shalma. You don't know whether it's tithe or not. Maser Rishon Shenit Latrumato. The first tithe in which you took Truma, but you haven't done all of the actions needed for it to make it eatable as such. Maser Sheni Vehekteshenit Du. Okay? Maser Sheni, you had to take up to Jerusalem. If you redeemed it somewhere outside of Jerusalem, you had to add a fifth. Take it up to Jerusalem. Hashamasha kal kazayat. And the waiter, remember we talked with the waiter, what happens if he eats a kazayat, an olive's breath, or an olive's volume, and doesn't eat an olive's volume? Is he included, not included, etc.? Vehakuti. The kuti is the Kathian, or what we would call the Samaritan in most cases, okay, who is not Jewish from the point of view of rabbinic law, but followed. Torah law, therefore had a, a, a relationship with the Jewish community and what we would consider normative halacha in the Torahitic sense, you can include all of them. Hachal tevel. Tevel means you know for sure that there was no ma'aser, tithing, or truma taken. Remember again we dealt with the whole thing of the chaver, the table fellowship. 
people who wanted to eat all of their food in purity and their hands being pure. We dealt with Maya Mahronim, right? Washing your hands afterwards before you did Birkat Amazon. Maser Rishon Shalonit Na Trumato. And tithing in which Truma itself was not taken. Again, the, to remind you, the Levi receives 10%, and out of that he has to give the Truma roughly 2% or so to the Kohen. You redeem, you took it from outside, but you didn't redeem it. You brought it up to Jerusalem, whatever you did incorrectly. And the non-Jew who ate less than Zayid or the Shamash, the person who is the waiter, the Hanochri, and the non-Jew, in Mizamnim alav. They're not included in Mizamnim in that concept of the three people as a minimum let me finish first the three people who are who are minimum needed for Birkata Mazon or if you will Zimun Nashim Avadim Uktanim okay women slaves and minors we'll come back to this again too but again that's that's a catchphrase for the top, for the rabbinic literature they're often put together why are they put together because they don't have obligations of following mitzvot. Okay? While it relates to status issue, you can deal with it in terms of your own understanding of the period. It has to do with status issues with mitzvot, women, servants, and ketanim, because they are not total masters of their own fate, because they're not only involved with trying to live their lives halakhically but have other responsibilities either to a master in terms of a slave or at least with nashim maybe to the Baal for sure during her child rearing issues and I, I read over this as an aside I read over the, um, the, the over Shabbat Rabbi Daniel Rutenberg's book on the what's it called something nurturing the wow or something it's all about child rearing and everything else here's a rabbi who basically says I didn't have time to daven okay so whether you like it or not the rabbis understood that in terms of tefillah, shebizman, etc just as an aside you can read it. I just gave it back to the library Kuktanim and clearly minors who are not masters of their own fate they're not freed people they're not totally uh, responsible for their own time they are not included Ad Mizamnin until when and what do you need to eat in order to make Birkat Amazon part of your uh, Zimun, Ad Kezayat, an olives for it, uh, volume, and Rabbi Yudomer Beitzah, an eggs volume. That's the background of the Mishnah that we have been dealing with until now, and we'll continue to do it really till the end of the parak. Yes? No, you, I think you just answered my question. That's why I said Zayat means the size of an olive. A medium, what's known as a medium-sized olive. Medium-sized olive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Questions. Does that ring any bells for anybody? Way back when, and back into the recesses of your mind, that have been kind of put out somewhere to pasture. So. We have dealt with a number of these issues. We're going to continue to deal with a number of these issues. And we're going to try to understand, again, 
Um, again, we talked about where you have to sit for Birkat Amazon, if you recall. All of those things are, are part of, of, our, of our study uh, of what is Birkat Amazon. We're actually going to, in the, we won't get it today, maybe next time for sure, time afterwards. What is Birkat Amazon? When did it come into the liturgy? All of that stuff, too. You know, the Talmud does, is not, a, it's a sort of a free association kind of book. It's not starting off logistically. Well, what is Birkat Amazon? Why do we do Birkat Amazon? And why are all the paragraphs there? Kind of free associates with everything else and then says, oh, by the way, we never really answered this question. How did it all come about? What is the liturgy and why is the liturgy? Okay. We're ready to move forward. Okay, so I, I just want to review a little bit and then we're actually going to go into something new. So, we finished... And, and everybody's going to have to find their own page. <laughs> Mem Zion Amud Bet 47b. In this book, it's page 209 at the Hay. Nashim Vavadim. That's where we, we went up to. I thought there was something. Mashim Hayyan 208. We're still on Mem Zion, everybody. Mem Zion Amud Bet. 47b. Nashim Vavadim is where we went up to. So, middle of 306 in our book. I don't Well, I can say one thing in four months nothing's changed. <laughs> nothing's changed. <laughs> well, it, ain't, it is broke, so forget it. <laughs> All right. In our scrolls, 47b4. Got it. That helps us. Well, takes back to get a look at the right Masechet, at least, Michael. You know, that, that I can't help with. All right, so let me just review quickly what we did just before this. We again, what we did was we took the terms of the Talmud. We took the terms of the Talmud and ultimately try to define them. So on the previous pages we dealt with what is what is Maser Rishon, what is Damai, what is Maser Shani, all of those tithing issues that I mentioned in the Mishnah were more clearly elaborated upon and defined. Rachel, keep the sheet going, please. Okay, thanks. Uh, more clearly defined uh, to the point of trying to understand. We then dealt with whose? The Kuti, the Samaritan. Amha'aretz. We talked about this in terms of the people of the land, not an ignoramus as such, but a person who just wasn't, didn't have table fellowship, was not included as a Pharisee, not included as a Haver. We dealt with, again, eating certain kinds of things, and we finished up this message. Alright? Yeah. Thanks. Um, if anybody who hasn't, please look at, make sure you're signed in, make sure your information is correctly. What we're going to deal with now, what, again, the last part was the Nohri. Okay? And the, the phrase was, a Nohri Muslim, why? Meaning they were in the process of conversion, but they didn't complete the conversion. They had already had Brit Milah. But they didn't have Tvila. The Olam Eino Gerashimol Vidbol, the Chama Delo De Taval, Nochrihu. 
You're still considered a non-Jew in terms of classifications if you've not gone through the entire conversion process. In process is only in process. Okay, the equivalent of I may have applied for American citizenship, but until it was granted to me, I was not an American. And I, I use that phrase over and over again because that's how I understand admission to Judaism um, in that realm. You either are or you're not. There is no such thing as half Jewish. Okay? So, that's where we ended up. The issue now is going to be Nashim Avadimu Tanim. We'll deal with the Nashim separately. We're actually going to deal with a very fascinating Talmudic section that has to do not so much with your Kadamazon, but with Minyan and Tefillah. Okay? With Minyan and Tefillah, and how many people are necessary in order for a Minyan to take place, and therefore a Sefer Torah to be taken out, and therefore Kaddish to be recited, Kedusha, etc. Okay? Anybody who hasn't had the sheet yet? Ron, did you have the sheet? Did you take a look? We're good? All right. Okay. Okay, just want to make sure. Okay, so that's what we're going to do next. And there'll be a tangent there. Thank you. Because I did a little bit of uh, research uh, uh, in terms of halacha, and I think it's a fascinating thing. You'll, you'll see that you have seen this, you've heard about it. Um, some of you may have even had been in synagogues where it's practice, as you'll see in a moment. Okay? Everybody, everybody have it now that I gave uh, filibuster time? <laughs> what, Michael? What do you want? Nothing. I just had it. Found it. Found it. Uh, well, okay. So I waited, you know? So I waited. <laughs> All right. Who wants, who wants to uh, lead today? I'll read. Okay. Wait, wait, okay. What what is Arisa? A cradle. A cradle or a crate. Okay. Meaning you have two people and somebody has a bassinet, a crib, a cradle. That's right. Something else in there too. According to Rabbi Yossi, you can include that person as part of your Kadamazon. Now, maybe they're eating, but they clearly, presumably, are not going to be able to respond appropriately. This is about as lenient as you can get. He basically yeah. says, as long as it's two plus whatever it looks like. Right. Right. We'll get to Nashim later. I'm not touching. I said Nashim because it's a category of. I said you because they're, because they're not responsible for all the mitzvot. They're not. They're responsible not for all the mitzvot. That's the way the rabbis categorize them. Okay, we already had that. You can Nashim can be part of Birkat Hamazon if they're doing Birkat Hamazon to themselves, etc. When you say, um, does that mean they're included? In the, um, you have to pray for them, or they. Got to do with prayer. Got to do with your kind of So they're counted. Got to do, 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 do with prayer. It's not prayer. Tefillah. Yeah, they're kind of muzzled. Who? Who? Women are not counted. No. Yeah, the, the baby in the cradle. The baby. See, mizamnina laws means he's counted. He's counted. Means he's counted. Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of muzzled. Not to be lie. That's why I said the prayer, not prayer over. Just a boy baby or a girl baby too. All I've got is a text so far, people.
It's not going to be the halakha, so don't worry about it. There's no way it becomes a halakha. <laughs> <laughs> That's not real. Okay, so they come back and said, what are you talking about? I mean, basically, you nuts in, in the vernacular. Not accepted. Clearly, that's a katan. I don't care if it's male, female, it doesn't matter. It's a katan. I hold as such, or the Talmud says, we hold like Yoshua ben Levi. Damar Yoshua ben Levi. Afal pishamru katana mutabarisa ein mizamnim alav. Not accepted. Avalosinoto snif la'asara. What is a snif? A branch, right? Meaning, as we'll see, as we continue to deal with this, it's okay to count them as one of the ten. To do birkatamazon if you have two in the baby, sorry. If you're already looking at, gee, is there nine around the table? And can you can you add the tenth? It's not so horrible according to Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. It's not the halacha, so don't don't jump, etc. People are entitled to their opinions. Not all opinions, even in this synagogue, are acceptable and accepted. But this is what he believed. Sneef, not a full member, but it's okay to be able to accept them because we're going to get to another concept here um, in, in, in it's, going to lot, it's going to move us from Birkat Amazon eventually to synagogue prayer experiences too so the issue is can someone who is not included normally and they're taking the Katana as an example right? but it could be an Evid, it may be an Isha alright what do you encounter or not? Now, again, depending on your communities, depending on your communities, I've been at tables where they were clearly going to do Birkat Amazon because there were three men there, and then they stop to look around to see how many people there are before they say, Hello, Heinu. And if there are not nine, men, ten, nine other men there, they're not going to say it. And I've been at tables where you look around and see ten people or nine other people, and I've been there. And I've been at tables where you're not, you know, well, you're not going to count as such, but you include it anyhow. That's the sneef. It's not so horrible at that point. Do you do Birkat Amazon and Zimun? That's a real question. Because then you're already calling God's name. It may be a bracha levatala, may be inappropriate. But you add what they're saying here, according to Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. If you add Eloheinu and you make a mistake, hmm, not so serious. Not to do Birkat Amazon, they say, uh, as a with the Zimun. Remember, it's not a matter of saying Birkat Amazon; it's the the Rabbotai Nevariah, the Zimun. That already you must have the correct number of people attached to it. Okay. Now they're going to take Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi's statement. And if you will, extend it. Extend it to other occasions where the, re the requisite number may not be present, but there may be other ways of counting in order to participate properly in ritual acts. You'll see in a moment what I'm saying.
Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi says Tisha ve'eved. Okay, that somebody who's uh, an eved, an eved here is not a Jewish eved. Okay, it even may be a Jewish eved, but he's not free. You don't do things for the halacha for, on, on the basis of someone who is not free. So this may be a Jewish eved even in those case. And, and there, for in, in this case, Yishav eved mitzdarfim. Okay, and therefore they're saying also may be possible for a katan butalbas barisa. You, can you extend it to women? You might be able to, but it doesn't talk about it. So I'm not extending anything that the Talmud doesn't quite say yet that it's permissible. But clearly with Eved, right? or a Katan, it may be possible. And one of the reasons is an Eved, as we'll see, can be freed and therefore participate. A Katan will grow up and be um, a, a, an individual a woman is a woman is a woman in those days now I don't know anymore okay I mean I'm not, I have a tape here so I'm being careful uh, it's a different world and, and how to count that anymore let somebody else worry about it <laughs> so that would have been the case under their understanding so now we have a fascinating case he came into shul early in the morning. He clearly wanted to do, somebody wanted to do Kedushah, Kaddish, Darin Kedushah, maybe Torah reading. There weren't ten now men there. Without a doubt, they're dealing with ten men. Okay? There weren't ten men there. They couldn't get on the phone. They couldn't go next door to knock on somebody's door. He wanted to make sure that they had a minion, they had to run off to wherever they're going. Ah, so what did he do? He freed his slave. As an enslaved person, he's not his own boss. He's not obligated to mitzvot. If he's a freed person, he clearly is. So, he wanted to govern so much with a minion that he freed his slave and his slave now can be counted as one of the minyan. Permanently? What? Do you read it permanently or just for the minyan? Presumably for, permanently. You didn't have to like do it like ask him everything and put him next to a door. You got a half an hour and then you're back. No, no, no. Well, let's, let's keep going. He's in the house, so he has certain obligations. It, it, you can't. It's not exactly the same. Of, of, a woman has definitely more obligations. Okay, she's not by by zman grama. Okay, but the time element is the issue here of these categories. Ultimately, is is they're not their own bosses. They can't make total decisions on how they're going to spend their time. And Evid clearly, because he's responsible to his master, and his master says, go do X, you have to go do X. A child, because a child, until the child becomes of majority age, has the responsibility of abiding by the tenets of the household, etc. A woman, now as I say, you can take it either way, you can take it that she has to abide by the tenets of her husband, but I don't think that's necessary to do so. It's clearly in the realm of a woman during her child-bearing years is not master of her own time, is the way the Talmud takes it. 
That's what Bisman Bisman Grama. And, and again, I, I urge you to if you're if you're doubting me, it was, Dinah's book was very fascinating in that realm. Okay, a, a modern American Jewish rabbinic person who found that I don't got time for this stuff right now, and I'm davening, meaning I'm holding my baby and saying a couple words. Right. So, but the question becomes, with with the katan, there's a set time. With a woman, well, you know, the answer is not necessarily. You can't deal with somebody who's living eighty and ninety years old. They weren't. They weren't. Unless they were Sarah. No, no. Okay. So if they live to thirty, forty, even fifty years old, she may not have officially. May not have. Okay, I mean, you have to look again in the context. Today, RCP would say, well, come on, you know, there are these odd things of a woman 60 years old, you know, National Choir picks up, all of a sudden you have a baby. But those are, you know, one and a whatever. But if what's lifespan of, you know, let's say 75, 80 years old, there's going to be a number of years where she doesn't. That's the sociological difference. The times have changed a little. But back in their time, we're not talking lifespan too much beyond her. Her, her child, her possible, possible childbearing years. And the widows were supposed to marry, but the brother-in-law was supposed to take them in. Well, a widow had to, had to be taken in by somebody to a large extent, yes. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a divorcee. I mean, they went back to their parents' houses if they were there, or whatever the case may be. Again, you got you got to deal with the realities of the situation as they saw. 2,000 years ago, it's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time. So... Okay. Does that mean only if he freed him, and if he did not free him, it was not possible not possible to include him? Ah. Okay. So the answer ultimately is that he not the that they needed more than one. They had eight people. This is the way they understand it. Shechrer Chad, he he gave somebody his freedom, and they found another one. Meaning he wasn't the one really who made the, he wasn't the center, as we would say. All right, he was one of the group, but not to be want to confuse with ultimately somebody who is the exact individual who makes the minyan. He was now one of the group, is the way they're taking it. So, they're, in other words, they're bothered by it, and they have to come up with a possible response which allows the possibility of it taking place, but not saying, oh, I don't have a tenth, Here's, let's go get the Evik Nani, let's, you know, all of a sudden, let's free him, and all of a sudden he's included. So, they're bothered because you'll see in a moment why you're bothered. Okay? So now we keep going. They're still not happy. How can you do that? All of a sudden you go at 8.30 in the morning, your servant is outside for minion, and all of a sudden he's packing his, the thing says, hey guy, come in here. You're now free. What do you mean I'm free? What do I have to do? Goodbye. You're going to pound the minion. Goodbye after that. I don't want to see you. That's not helpful to him either. Okay? So how do you do that? The 
Okay, Lolam Bahem Tavodu means you should always subject the Canaanites. Okay? They should always be subjected to you. To your okay? If you come in the land, etc., you're you know we had it in this past week's parsha, what you're supposed to do with them, but if if after after the conquest you're supposed to they're that's already significant. Meaning they're going against a positive commandment of the Torah. And what's the positive commandment of the Torah? You should keep them under your foot. As such. Wait, wait, one at a time. Would you even consider bringing a Canaanite? Well, I don't understand. I thought it was about Jewish slaves. No, it's clear here. They're taking it as a Canaanite slave. And they're saying you could possibly bring a Canaanite. Yep, that's how liberal they are in terms of this minion question. That's exactly. So that's why. Who would even think that they would ask the question that a baby in a in a cradle is going to be included? Okay. So let's step back. What are they really dealing with? Extremes. Hmm? Extreme possibilities. Why? The Exactly. Because the minion is such an important thing. Okay? The minion is such an important thing that you can make what seems to be totally unrealistic, almost silly kinds of statements, and, and, and they, may, they might be acceptable because the minion is so important. What does the minion represent? The minion represents community coming together before God. And so if the community, the actual community is very small, and they really struggle to get 10, I could see that this is, you know... Right, right. That happens today, too, as we'll see in a moment. No, it happens that, you know, in smaller communities, you know, we're fortunate that we're a larger community, and still once in a while it can happen that you struggle for all kinds of reasons. Um, but that becomes the necessity of a community to make sure there is a minyan. And not only because there's so people can say Kaddish. Okay? It's in order to be able to make a desh et shimcha barabim. In order to sanctify God's name. Okay? In, in public. That's what it is. Otherwise, you're doing it in private. Wasn't there another theory that if you had nine and you were in the shul... We're going to get to that. Don't even ask it. You could open the air. We're going to get to that. Actually, we're going to deal with it. <laughs> we knew that was coming. Okay. If it's that important, how come there are so many synagogues that don't have? I mean, you're asking the wrong rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? You're asking the wrong rabbi. What did she ask? Okay. So the answer that that would be is yes. You have to struggle to maintain a minion, and it's not always simple, uh, etc. Or or you make sure, you know, that you you are involved with it. But it also means. Do you want to come down to it? That everybody in the community has a responsibility to make sure that a minion takes place. Well, they don't, can't accept, they don't know if they are not educated, they don't understand the responsibility, so that goes back to... Okay, so that's why I, I'm here with a, the, pres, a, the president and a past, two past ritual vice presidents, and they know my concentration on minion. Okay, so I try to put that up front as a major standard of this congregation. I just read an article by Steve Cohen about the growing individualism in our society where the emphasis isn't so much on community right. but it's on individual expression and individual spirituality. Right, and I think that is very dangerous and I'll be speaking about that.
I think it's very dangerous because as soon as you get away from community, it's my Jew. It's 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 the Sheilaism, okay? Uh, it, and he that's what that's nothing new from Steve. That's Steve's book and Arnie Eisen's book. It's still okay. All right. So you know everything's in it. I, what's in it for me? Okay, and that's why organizations are having problems, people joining, and that's why synagogues have problems with membership, that's why it's all kinds of things. There's some some good things that come out of it, don't, don't get me wrong. Spirituality is not evil in and of itself, but if it's, I'm okay, you're okay, I have problems with that. I, I'm, some of those who've worked with me before know that I see community and kila as a, almost as a mitzvah that we have to live up to. And phrased it in that realm. So. Right, Alti Froshman at Sibur. I feel very strongly about that. Okay, so that, that's why they're dealing with this. And the response is in order to do a mitzvah, you can go, even go against a positive commandment. Tremendously important statement. However, can you do a mitzvah? that in order to do it, you com commit a sin? And the answer is no. Give me some examples of where that might occur. Stealing. Hmm? Stealing to give tzedakah. Very good. Stealing to give tzedakah. Embezzling and all of a sudden you give away. The, we're going to have Sukkot soon. We're going to talk about Lulava Hayaveshva Gazul Pasul. If you steal a, a Lulav in order to say the Bracha, Pasul doesn't count. That's why, as you recall, we give it as an outright gift to somebody who doesn't have their own. All, doing, you know, all those things. Mitzvah is not acceptable. The means or the ends do not justify the means. Okay? Both the means and the ends must be appropriate. And if your choice is not to do the mitzvah and to go against the proper means, don't do the mitzvah. Because it won't, quote, 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 won't count anyhow. What, what, what about if you do something like that to save a life? Anything, you're allowed to save a life under any condition, including going against Shabbat, etc., except for three things. You're not allowed to idol worship, killing, or sexual licentiousness, in which case you have to give up your own life. Otherwise, pikuach nefesh tochesh Shabbat and everything else. There's no doubt about it. In the, we are we are a tradition of life, a chaybahem, and not martyrdom. Okay, so you, very important statements in what is, you know, again, a um, rather I don't want to say silly, but off the cuff, you could almost laugh at some of the questions. Okay, but within it is some, some very significant statements. Ah. Okay, Petsi, mitzvah de rabim shane. If it's a private mitzvah, maybe. But mitzvah de rabim in public, why are you concerned in public? More than marisain. Somebody's going to see you do it. And they're going to fall. Not, not only that, not only that, but if you see, if I, if, take Brad's thing, okay? If you see me give a big contribution and you know and get the honor and everything else, and you know I've come about the, the money improperly, then you figure you can get away with it just as easily. Okay? So, mitzvah de rabim, therefore, becomes that. And mekadesh, that's, you know, God's name, bir rabim, is really a critical thing. It's not just in private, it's in public in general. And why were they concerned about public? Look at the time period in which they lived. 
okay, persecution and everything else, and therefore took a guts to be able to do it in public. I'm going to take this and I'm going to suggest we put it, plaster it all over the bulletin. <laughs> what does it say? Olam, always, Yashkim Adam, get up early, Leveta Knesset, Teshul, Kedesha Yiskevi Maneh Masara Rishonim. So he can be counted among the first ten. You know, you keep everybody keeps you know. I keep berating people coming on time. I'm just telling you what the Talmud says. You know, <laughs> so be, why? Why? What? What is it saying to you here? What? Why is it saying here? What is it saying here? What's behind the statement? It's really important to be part of this. Number one, it's important. Number two, what else? It says it's a privilege. Okay, what else? You should hurry to do a mitzvah. Do it now. Okay, and the way that Shulchan Aruch begins, a person should get up like a riba boker, like a lion ready to do mitzvah. I think even more than that. It's basically saying, I am a stickler, again, those that work with me know, to starting services on time. I hate going to services that start five or seven minutes late. Why? Because the next day you know you're going to come five or seven minutes late. Nobody's going to come on time. So I go to, when I'm in Jerusalem very often, uh, I will go to Beit Boyer, to the minion there, which is a minion around the corner, um, and it's called for 7:30. I'm always there by 7:30, but you know, till they get the minion, yeah, etc. They, they, they understand it there. I know, and it drives me nuts. So a couple times, then then a couple times, I said, well, I don't have to rush. I can do 7:32. Just put my feelings have to wait. It's a, and that's what happens. I can't I can't stand that. It's like you know, I really can't stand the wedding. The tape something. The wedding planners who say, oh, it's called for 5.30, but we're not going to start till 10 to 6. Tell me what time I have to be ready. No, tell me what time it's written there. Okay? So you're also punishing the people that get there on time. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Absolutely. You're saying, there isn't a minion there, and I'll saunter in whenever I'm ready for it. Okay? Whenever I'm ready to come in, talk about the meism if you want to take it that way, Betsy. Okay? So, some, it, whose responsibility is to get the minion when you start? Everybody. Yeah, so that's even crept into people who really understand and who feel obligated. That's the shul. We, I mean, that's the society in which we live. You know, let let somebody else do it. It's not the only place. Let somebody else do it. Okay. So this is a this is a statement says, minion should start on time, and you should make sure it starts on time by being there and being there for all of the thing. It's a it's a very okay. It's it's again our friend Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi. I can't tell you whether everybody agreed with him. Okay, I can't tell you whether everybody agreed with him. But why would he give that kind of statement? First of all, because because people weren't, people weren't, and two, he felt again the privilege of saying this is what we should be doing. You should get there early in the morning, labodata bore, for to the to work on behalf of the Creator, which in this case is tefillah. Okay, and if you want to be part of the community, it means that you have to sacrifice a little bit. You have to sacrifice a little bit. You can't just expect somebody else to do it. So, Betsy, to go back to, to that, if he's written recently about it, I'd like to tell me where it is. Okay? You have to show it to me. Okay? If that's the case, again, there's no responsibility to community. Okay? Until they need a community. 
Okay, until oh, I, I don't know. It's on spirituality, but you know, I just lost a parent. I need to say kaddish. Where were you? You know, luckily in this congregation, um, and I, there's a number of people who, even though they recite kaddish for a year, then say, "I'm going to continue to come here because they came for me." And there's nothing that I think is a greater altruistic kind of thing. A statement: I want to be there for the community. The community was there for me. That's an important statement. I think a very important statement. So Rabbi Shubin Levi, while he comes up with some odd things, you know, of uh, Evid and this and that, there's a in the middle of it. This is a very important statement um, that re- re- that is both respect for community and respect for God. Because you know, as you said, if the uh, orchestra is playing and you're going in for the opera, you're going to be there on time, or you're not going to be able to get in. You know, the shul well whenever I get there. And you all know, I know when you get there. So, <laughs> yes, I do. Fran. If you're, if Fran isn't there by the time I walk around with the Torah, I know something's wrong. <laughs> That's your time. <laughs> okay. Okay. That even if a, you know a hundred people come later you get this the reward because otherwise there wouldn't have been a minion at the beginning. Okay? So those of us who are here at either place, here at the high school at 8.15 on Rosh Hashanah morning know that there are a few people here, there, and everywhere. And all of a sudden by the end it fills up or in the middle it fills up. By the end it's empty again. <laughs> Alright? I mean it's amazing. You can, I can... I know the streams already. By the way, people go in and out and everything. You know, and, and Betsy, I know when they come in, who they're going to talk to at this point. You know, it's not a problem. Okay. Okay. So you get a reward of a hundred. No, it's as if you get the schar as against them. In other words, you're, you're establishing the community. You started. Okay? So, if you're going to do a full service, and you figure you're coming late, you figure somebody else is going to start the service. Otherwise, you're going to walk in, and the service is still waiting, or whatever the case may be. Hey, how come you haven't get started yet? Or where were you? Where were you? Okay? So, there is a, a real responsibility here to community, and to the prayer, and to God that says, you know... Yashkim, get up a little earlier and be there on time. Okay? Um, you know, again, I, I know, I know rabbinic colleagues who do come in late. I know, I'll, I mean, again, it's all things, it's not my style, never has been. You know, if you're going to be there, be there right. And, and, and set the pattern. And again, because if you don't set the pattern, what happens is the starting time will get later and later because people get used to that pattern. No, I don't have to be there at 7.15. It's not going to really start till 7.20. So I'll come at 7.18 or 7.19, and somebody says, you know, i got to get to work. It all plays off in certain kinds of ways. Be responsible to the community, be responsible to God, be responsible and ultimately to yourself. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating statement. So let, let's, let's do, before we do the next, let's look down to Orach HaHalacha, where it says... Mishachwer Abdo. Okay, left hand column, second last one. Third one. Okay, so we're dealing with an Evid Knani, a non Jewish person. 
This is tikkun olam. This is actually tikkun olam, not the, the concepts of social action and everything else. Take care. Um, what we're what we're going to do? What tikkun olam ultimately comes from the, the Mishnah and Gitin, and talks about certain kinds of things. Um, as I say, I wrote an article, a chapter in a book about it. Uh, we've kind of just taken tikkun olam as every kind of social action. That's not what it came for. It was tikkun haolam, and it means to create a better, putting the world back to where it was in certain kinds of ways. Um, and one of the ways is to have people free. See, even this is this is the shulchan aruch, so this is actually halacha about being one of the first ten. Now, do you notice that means you should try. Put the effort. There are times you can't. You live far away and you have to walk. You have other responsibilities in child rearing or whatever the case may be. You can't make it on time. But if it's up to you, there you go. Okay? Perfect thing to take to, you know, when, when, when I when I go with people to come on time, um, it's halacha. That's it. What is salka? Salka daka. It it, it it arises in your head. You might think. Okay. All right. We're now going to deal with something, and then we're going to go into tangent, which we probably won't get to today. This an odd occurrence that you've all seen, and as we'll see, the question is whether it makes sense. What happens when you only have nine for a minion, and you want to do what's appropriately in a minion, and you try to get people to there. You try to whatever the case may be, and it's simply impossible. So Amar Rav Huna. So now we're Rav Huna is again a Babylonian tradition. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Tisha All right. So nine and opening the ark. How many have been of shuls where that's happened? Okay. We're going to talk about that over the course of today and next time. Whether that's appropriate, what you do, why you do it, is it halachic or not. We're going to look at a Tosafot, we're going to look at a halacha in the Mishnah Brura, um, because I think it's, you've all, if you haven't seen it, you've heard about it, etc. Um, nine plus the ark. When you think of it, what is the ark? What, what are you saying when you open the ark? The presence of Hashem is one of them. So think of it theologically. That means that God is equal to us, or we're equal to God, and that though ten is needed, well, we'll just count God as one of the ten. Kind of odd when you think of it, right? On the other hand, you say, well, it's important to do a minion. You know, we got to be able to do it to come kabbalat ol b'chushamayim and birabim and all the things in public, etc. Couldn't we stretch? But stretch what? What are we stretching here? We're, we're stretching God as one of the ten? Hmm, interesting. We anthropomorphizing God? Are we saying we're equal to God or God is equal to us? Um, I don't know. Think Again, stand back and think of what, what the statement is in and of itself. No? No, it's like God is... God is you open the ark, the ark represents, holds the Torah. Is the word of God. I don't think it's answerable more to God. I think it's just the presence of 
But what? what so what, no, no, but but the, you need the the menu, the the, the halakh is you need ten men or ten people. We'll say it doesn't matter. Okay, you got. The tenth participant. Ten person, right? It doesn't matter, men or women, in this case. Okay. So, but what are you saying by opening the ark? And as we'll see, whether you have to hold the Torah or not, to hold the Torah, etc. Saying that the prayer is more That's one way to take it. But how, or, but you're also saying there is a tenth. You're saying if you're saying prayer is more important than the tenth, then let's just do it with nine. Right. Why, bother? Why bother even opening the ark? Let's just do nine. Well, maybe eight, or not seven, etc. We're going to come to that. Okay. Not eight, not nine. Yeah, no, no, no. So, but, but the question is, when you open the ark, you're, you're making almost a theological statement. You're, the, the community statement is, we want a minion present. We want to say Kaddish. That's probably the most important thing, but it may be Kedusha, or whatever the case may be. Right? Get it. But what am I saying when I'm counting the presence of God as one of the ten. The presence of God isn't there. Well, when I open it up, all of a sudden you're making the statement that God's presence is now. So, all right. So then, then, then what? Then what you're saying? Uh, going to play it out. Then we should have the ark open an entire service and standing the entire service. Right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Just on the right. converts, which you read in this Methodist before, I mean, you had the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the three always present. And within Judaism, you have the Shekinah. Shekinah, uh huh? I mean, which is a presence, possibly opening the ark. You know, the same, we're invoking the Shekinah at that point. But what happens if I'm doing Birkhanamazon in this room? And there are two people. Do I open the ark and say, oh, gee, this, now God is with me, I can say, Zimun? Why not? What? what was he? I, I, Michael, I couldn't hear. He said it doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way. Thank you. You have to have eaten. In order to do the Karamazon, you're supposed to have eaten Kazayat. Yeah, right. How can the ark or the Torah? Well, there was a question of the Shamash and everything. Okay, okay, fair enough. It's also communal. Okay, so all of you are finding some sort of rationalization, clearly, to why this is. You could look at it the other way that God is accepting human beings as equals, or there would have been an objection somewhere along the way. You can't include me as a tenth. Okay, all right. Mitzvah is for the benching, not for the Muslim. The mm -hmm. resumen is your after added if you want to have three. Well, but can, so can, you, can, so can you daven without? Can you do, can you daven without a minion? You can daven most can of the things. Right, sure. So let's just go on and do this section, and then we'll come. We'll finish off here, and we'll do the rest next time. They cut, they ask my question. Is the Aron a person? What are you dealing with here? How preposterous! Open the ark count that as a tenth person? This isn't a person. How can the ark be considered a person? Do rationalize it as Shekinah, rationalize it as God's presence, but it's not a poison. Oh. 
Nine kind of look like ten, and I'm not going to really count. And if I open the ark, it's it's okay. Not a great answer, to say the least. All right, if I got a group of people standing together, do I sit and count them? Well, as you know, you don't count directly, but you'd count and certain, you know, Hoshiyat Amecha, not one, not two, all kinds of different things. The Talmud comes back with. Mikanfi means coming together. Okay, in other words, if you're all sta- standing together. Okay, but the, the, what also has, some say, it has to do when they're apart. So when they're together, you know, there's whole groups together. How many people are here? Well, around 20. You know, that's what you do. How many people are shoulders? Well, around here, unless you're really going to count. You know, ticket sales in the same way, okay? But Or some say, well, there's one there, there's one there, there's one there, etc. Is it easier to count them together? or So some say, if they're bunched together, it looks around, and you open the ark, and it's close enough. Some will say, well, there's one over here, and there's one over there, and there's one here. Well, if I counted them all, wherever they were, it'd be closer to the nine, so I'll open the tenth, etc. They're trying to rationalize it clearly. All right, They're trying to rationalize this kind of thing. Now we have Rav Nachman saying something else, which is even whatever. Shnayim v'shabbat. My God. This has to do with, of course, with what? This Birkat Amazon we're back to, right? We're never right. to. And well, now I can't tell you if he's being facetious or not, but my guess is he is. Oh, okay. So, you know, you ten, nine and, and the, the ark. So I'll say two are together. And Shabbos, that's good enough. I mean, come on. What, you can make up numbers. You can make up these things all along. Okay, two sages. Mechadadim. No. What's Chad? Sharp. sharp. Who sharpen one another means who are doing, who are studying together, pushing one another, having a chevrusa. Studying together, mechadin mitstarfin. They are ready, they're at, a, they're at a different level. And as such, because they're pushing one another, and, and it's as if they were three. And Rabbi says, that's like me and Rav Sheshet. That's a great statement, okay? <laughs> and, and Rav Shesha says, you're right. It's like me and Rav <laughs> It's not you, it's me and... Okay, so w- some of this, I think, is being facetious at a certain point because they're really... Tr- some are disturbed, I believe, with this concept of Tishava Aron Mitzdarfim. What, what and because you've seen it, what I want to do next time um, is I want to be able to look at probably three texts. One will be the Iunim at the bottom of the page. One will be the Tosafot on the next page. Okay? Which deals with this kind of issue. Uh, at least part of it. And one will be the Halakhic framework, the Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Brura of having to do Tisha'i Aron. Since you've seen it, and it's, been accept- it's acceptable in some synagogues, etc., etc., I want to be able to look at it and see whether it's really halakhic, not halakhic over the ages. There, there's a concept in patent law that's called the doctrine of equivalence, which says that... What's the concept again? 
the doctrine of equivalence, that 20 is sort of like 18, so that you know, if somebody claims that it has to be between 20 and 80, that's like saying between 15 and 90, and so on and so forth. And it's sort of sounds very much the same. Very good, thanks. All right, Shikoff, nice to be back with everybody. We'll see you next week.